Welcome to the Where Does It Come From podcast. I'm Joe Salter, your podcast host and founder of Where Does It Come From, a social enterprise focusing on kind clothes that tell tales. In this podcast, I'll be chatting with amazing people who've dedicated themselves to making our world a better place through business, social enterprise, campaigning and much more. In this episode, I'm chatting with Arshad Khalid, the founder of social enterprise gift brand, Ethicana. Arshad is a social entrepreneur and fair trade proponent passionate about sustainable development. He spent more than 21 years in the field of IT before launching Ethicana, a social enterprise focused on preserving earth-friendly, nearly extinct crafts through sustainable livelihoods. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Where Does It Come From podcast. In this podcast, I'll be talking with my good friend, Arshad Khalid, and he's going to be telling us all about his work with Ethicana. So we'll be covering topics from fair trade and social enterprise to impact. And more interestingly, his recent long and detailed travels within India, which I personally can't wait to hear about. So welcome, Arshad. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having me on your podcast. And uh, it's it's amazing to be, to be <laughs> on a podcast after after you know so many years, but yeah, um, yes, uh, <laughs> we've been for a long time. Uh, it's been yeah, <laughs> a long time, and yeah, it, the travels were amazing. I, I really enjoyed, and it was really after three years um, after COVID, it was really an interesting trip for me uh, to oh, give, to go there and, and meet my suppliers, meet my artisans in person again. Can't wait to hear more. But first of all, before we jump in, can you introduce yourself? Tell us about your background and what led you to setting up Ethicana as a fair trade social enterprise in the first place? Sure. Yes, of course. Um, So my background actually is in IT. I used to be a programmer and moved on to other things before I realized that I want to do something different. And this goes back to my childhood, actually. Um, I was growing up in India. In the 80s, I'd learned about how cooperatives had helped Indian farmers after uh, independence. And I, I grew up in the old city of Delhi and we were always using handmade stuff, handmade things like clay pots and clay pitchers and baskets and, you know, all of these kind of things. And I could see in front of my eyes the, the dwindling of these artisans and uh, and the replacement uh, of these handmade products coming from things like plastic cheaply made and abu- abundantly available and people were kind of shifting to that and i could also see that when people were buying from these artisans they were kind of haggling prices and obviously you know um, they weren't expensive things anyway but still people were thinking you know if they can buy plastic which lasts them so much longer why should they buy something made of clay and that's what made me think that you know if the farmers could benefit from something like a cooperative um they there should be something like that for these uh for these artisans as well well that was kind of you know when i was 12 or 13 years old <laughs> so you know then uh, lots of things happened as they say you know life happens and i wanted to become a doctor didn't become a doctor but I went into it next best next best thing you know <laughs> and um yeah then i i had a very fruitful very nice very um fulfilling 21 years in the it industry 
And um, at the end of 2016, I read an article about these artisans in the south of India in a small village called Chennapatna, which I'd never heard about having grown up in India. Um, but I heard, I read about them and, and they were struggling and their, their art was declining. So, okay, you know, I had a dream once. Um, so let me go back and, um, and see if I can do something about it. So I went and met them and I really liked what they were doing. Um, and I wanted to preserve that art form. And I thought, okay, I'm going to start Ethicana. And that's when in 2017, Ethicana was born, started with the toy makers of Chennapatna. And just those toys are unique in the sense that they are made with completely no chemical uh, at all, no chemicals or plastics at all in the process, all, all organic, all made with plant-based dyes, things like turmeric, lime, indigo, madder roots and food grade resin. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's the, uh, that's the story of Ethicana. So you have a balance between the sort of the heritage and artisanal and then also the sustainable as well. Yes. Yes. Correct. So that, that's the whole point of Ethicana that, you know, it, it has to be mainly, essentially Ethicana is a sustainable livelihoods initiative, but, um, with a focus on preserving almost tradition, almost extinct um, traditional art forms, uh, which are mostly uh, very earth-friendly, very eco-friendly, very um, uh, sustainable uh, in terms of the the way they produce, the materials they use, and long-lasting. Mm. So that that is how Ethicana works. That you know, we 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 work with artisans who are small-scale artisans um, whom we can help with sustainable livelihoods and also um, empowering uh, women uh, in in along the way. Our artisan force now has a, nearly 70% of our, of our artisans are women. It sounds very similar. I mean, in, in a way, I know that with very different industries you're involved with, you're in all the, the crafts and the toys and things, and I'm involved in the textiles and the clothing, but the principles are very much the same, aren't they? That Those heritage values happen to be sustainable as well. I'm sure it's not a coincidence, but it is. And then also that female empowerment thing. So a lot of the skills and crafts that are dying out are tend yeah. to be the ones that maybe women have been traditionally doing and what they have been doing happens to be sustainable and good for the planet as well. So it's, it is quite interesting, the pattern there. I might yeah. not say from what you said, it sounds like you were a bit of a fixer. So you started <laughs> off as a, um, I think I'll be a doctor, you know, I'll mend people. No, I'm not going to mend people. I'm going to mend computers. I'm going to mend systems. No, now I'm going to mend um, heritage and artisans and, and things like that. So would you say you're a bit of a fixer? Um, I'm a solution finder, yes. <laughs> not fixer. <laughs> well, I always say as a consultant, when I used to be in, in IT, I, I, I loved creating solutions to problems. And that's what I say to people even now, you know, I, I, I like solutions. Yes, there's a problem, but every problem needs a solution and every problem can have a solution. So um, one way or another, we find a solution and I and I love doing that. Hmm. And it's not just one solution and there's never there's never a completely right solution. That's what oh, I Oh, no, 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 no. There, there's always more than one way of fixing things more than one way of doing things so and i and i like that openness about um even when i was in in my it career i used to always say to my fellow programmers you know when we were when we were creating solutions that you know we you're doing this way i'm doing this way but you know we are all achieving the same thing yes some of them are more efficient some of them are more are less efficient but you know there's always more than one way of doing things and see, it's the same way it's the same case in 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 social enterprise and the way i'm working with artisans now um 
I have um, limited resources, so I work with my limited resources. Um, uh, some people have abundant resources, so they can work in that sense. But, you know, as long as we have the same shared goal, um, we are not, I don't, I always say we are, we are collaborators in, in, in creating the change rather than competitors. Um, yeah. You know, we might be doing the same thing, but, you know, we are, um, we are collaborators. And I don't think of anyone as a competitor to mine because, you know, we're all achieving the same thing in the end. Yes, I think that is a major difference between social enterprise and sort of standard mainstream business, actually, is that you're not you, you're not trying to beat down the competition in the same way. You're all you're all trying to create some kind of solution to the world's problems, I guess. Yes. The more people that are doing that, the better, rather than let's try to limit it to a, a, a to have as much of the market for yourself as you can get. Yeah. That's not the same. Yeah, we, we are, social enterprises are definitely more about people and planet rather than profit. Um, we would love to make a profit. Most of us, most of us don't make a profit. <laughs> uh, but I think what, what what drives us is the passion about the, the environment, social issues, um, and the people. Yeah, so yeah. you're the same. Um, I am the same. You you, you started where does it come from in the same for the same reason, right? Exactly. But I was talking to someone about this this morning. Actually, I think one thing. We tend to our society and ourselves and probably our upbringings, we tend to focus on the profit and, you know, how much money that something will Mm. earn. Um, And we need to look at measures in a different way. We need to look at success in a different way. So, yes, of course, a business can't exist unless you're making enough money for the business to exist, you know, and to live in it and all of that. But there are other impacts. It might be the money that you're paying to your artisan. So it's still financial, but the money yeah. is going, it's not, it's, it's not like a, a traditional business is trying to pay as little as possible to the producers. Whereas we want to pay a decent amount because we want mm. them to have certain life outcomes. So there's that, those kind of impacts. And there's also other impacts, isn't there, in terms of the very hard to measure planetary ones. Yeah. Uh, and then the ones around, um, how people feel people feel Mm. better about something their connection so there there is a a lot of different uh many many different impacts that that a social enterprise can have compared with a traditional business so definitely absolutely i mean we as you said you know we we we're not about hoarding money for ourselves i mean yes first of all buying stuff at fair price at fair trade prices um from the artisans giving them a fair wage for their for their um for the efforts and and their hard work but also plowing back 51% of our profits um back into these uh into the into these social and environmental causes that we that we espouse so i think social enterprises is is a very different way of doing business and i and i and i wish honestly i i really wish that the current crisis that we are in you know energy crisis and fuel crisis and all of that if our utility companies could we run a social enterprise, we wouldn't be in this situation yeah. at all because, you know, then then they would have a legal obligation to plow back uh, their profits back into the into the people they're serving. So that would be a big change. And I and I'm it, it, it saddens me that no political party is actually saying this, that, you know, they can actually use social enterprises um, going forward. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I had another question to ask you later on, but I'll ask you it now really because i think it's relevant so um how do you think that social enterprise and fair trade contributes to the economy the current economic system is it working what could be better about that i mean fair trade and social enterprise we are all about sustainable growth um, and promoting ethical consumption promoting um sustainable livelihoods and that's what 
I really like. And I, and I recently started reading Kate Rayworth's book, Donut Economics. And <laughs> my God, it is it is just so on point. You know, it 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 just um and I think, wow, this is fair trade and and social enterprise encapsulated in in the in in that whole concept. And she she doesn't mention it, or maybe she does she does mention it in, in the book. I haven't read that part yet. But but yeah, this is so I mean it's it's kind of cool to 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 work with people and and not overshoot your boundaries in terms of your planetary impact in terms of your social um and 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 impact on people um and i and I, that's what i really love about fair trade and 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 social enterprise that we are doing we're running businesses but we're running them in the, in a way that doesn't harm people and the planet so it's all about people and planet and i really really like that um the whole idea yeah, um, I think if, if anyone hasn't, um, if anyone who's listening hasn't come across Kate Rayworth's Donut Economics, I would really recommend that you take a look at it. And I think the reason that maybe she hasn't focused on, um, she hasn't sort of talked openly about fair trade and social enterprise in particular, is because the model that she's got, which not surprisingly is the shape of a donut, it's it's for all business. So you don't have mm-hmm. to differentiate between fair trade and social enterprise because all businesses under that model will be run for the good of people and planet and without Correct. harming people yeah. and planet. So you don't you don't need to talk about fair trade and ethical no, because no. it would automatically be there. So maybe I'll try and do a, a podcast recording on donut economics because I think it's quite an interesting. <laughs> it's a very interesting subject. And, and, and you're right that it's it's a model for all businesses. However, what, what I was trying to say is that social enterprises and, and fair trade businesses are already fitting in that mold. They're already doing the donut economics already and 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 that's amazing that you know that concept which only came in uh, you know not to not that long ago um and this is um uh, and hopefully the donut donut economics concept will will um will be the model that we all follow uh, yeah. all businesses follow and i hope i hope we do <laughs> i hope we do and to be honest the current economic model i've said on previous podcasts and people might not might not agree with me the current economic model is just completely not working you know the trickle down effect doesn't work the idea of encouraging people to buy and use as much as they can we end up with so much waste you know we end up overproducing we're tiring out our soils you know i could go on and on i promise i won't so (laughs) the current model isn't economic model isn't working so we need to find a new one or change in some way the model that we've got yeah back to ethicana back to ethicana tell us you've told us what your key impact areas are so the environment and your artisans and the um heritage processes etc what kind of um products does ethicana actually sell and what's the journey been like since you set up till now Mm. yeah so it's been it's been a very interesting journey um so i said um i started with the toy makers in tanapatna uh, in the south of India, near Bangalore, and um, then obviously I didn't want to be limited to just one set of artisans. So um, then I partnered with a uh, with a charity who works in Rwanda and gives um, life skills to young um, adults who are orphaned by genocide or disease or famine um, in in Rwanda. They give them their their life chances, and they learn. They get. Um, first of all, they, they get a safe working environment. Um, they learn how to create uh, recycled paper and then they, then they make cards out of it. So, um, I work with them, uh, to, uh, we have greeting cards on our website. And then from there on, I started working with other people, 
I work with the women's refuge in again in India in Rajasthan um who again it's a, it's a beautiful compound and I'll tell you about it when I, you know when I go on to my travels and they, they they have all these wonderful women who have come to the to the refuge because of one reason or another but now they are very happy learning the skills and becoming economically independent so mostly their their work is um, on fabric uh, on cotton and now we are t- we're talking about um using more sustainable fabrics natural fibers then i have, i've also um started working with um another social enterprise in based in, in the uae who work with refugee women um so that's again uh, i mean it's, it's still a really new, uh, fairly new partnership but it's good to see that refugee women are being given the skills and and they've been given the economic independence to uh, to to live um properly uh, get they get a living wage what else um yes i also met uh, another organization uh, when i went to egypt last year they they are they're called the garbage collectors of cairo but um they are they make beautiful things out of out of the out of the waste and that's something which is in development um and i'll be working with them uh, or i ha- i have been working with them but you'll see their products fairly soon and um we most recently on my visit uh, i also started i also uh, met um some kashmiri artisans who kashmir as you know is is a conflict zone it was quite um interesting to be in that uh, area and meet those people who oh, their their art is amazing it's so beautiful there's a finesse to it and and but sadly again their their the art is dying because they won't teach they're not able to teach it to the younger generation because you know they're not making enough money mm. so yeah so that's that's another thing which is in um in the works for ethicana mm, that's really interesting and such a varied locations that you work in and types of product that you have and so you're you're it's for you it's identifying these wonderful relationships and the products and then how do you um how do you get them to market how do you sell them to consumers well, first and foremost is is the ethicana.com website. Um, that's the online home for everything. Um, not everything is there right now because obviously, you know, it takes me time to to put things on onto the website. I mean, it's, I mean, the new products, the 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 ones that are that have been going on for a while are all all there. For example, the toys, the the greeting cards, and the um, uh, home home decor and personal accessories, etc. But some of the things that are, that are sort of coming up in in the ethicana dateline they they will be there eventually and i also do a lot of market artisan markets uh, and trade shows so you can find me there uh, on most sundays <laughs> or saturdays where do you do those richmond chiswick um highgate uh amersham uh what's it, what's, it, what's the area called chilton's i think um so those kind of areas so if, people, if anybody listening wants to see you, they can they can have a look where you're going to be and come and say hello. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love meeting people, and I and I have some um, really wonderful um, customers or friends, as I'd like to call them, um, supporters of of Ethicana, who who whom I meet every month uh, yeah. when I'm there, <laughs> which is which is great. And you you also sell through eBay for change, don't you? Yes, yes, I do sell, sell um, through eBay for Change. I was very lucky to be um, picked for the first cohort of eBay for Change uh, back in 2021. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, it was just, it was in COVID, wasn't it, I think? Yeah, 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 2021. So there's lots of ways for people to find you and buy from you. And obviously, yes. I will say here and now that I'm biased because I have bought some lovely things. I love the cards. 
Oh, thank you. Cards are beautiful and the toys are beautiful as well. So I'd urge people to go and have a look at your website. It's a lovely and vibrant and there's plenty of things to to see there. Or go and visit one of the markets and talk to Arshad if you're there. Um, One of the key things is, and you and I have talked about this a lot, there's a lot of um, fair trade, wonderful fair trade brands that are out there in fair trade shops um, that are selling beautiful fair trade goods. But I think one thing that's different for Ethicana and also for where does it come from, actually, to some of these is that we are engaged right the way through the supply chain. So um, not that there's anything wrong with what the other people are doing, but they tend to buy from a wholesaler or a distributor, whereas we are, have actually got those relationships right back to the beginning. So why do you feel that this is an important way of doing things for you? Yeah, I mean, this this goes back to our, a few minutes ago when we were talking about there's more than one way of doing things. And, you know, people, some people are, are happy just buying stuff and and, and giving a, a marketplace, a, a platform to those um, those arts and crafts. But for me, and uh, I'm sure it is the same for you. Uh, I like to know the process and I like to learn the process. And I and that just gives me a, a deep understanding of how things are made. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I used to do, you know, even when I was a kid, you know, my, my grandmother used to weave baskets and I used to be fascinated by, you know, how she used, how she was weaving baskets and, and, and cooking things. So that's what I, and that's, and I learned, learned from her. And that's what I like. I like to learn not necessarily I would want to do them, but you know, <laughs> but just to just to learn how things work and how how they're made, and to see the whole process, how the color is made, and how um, how the wood is turned, and how the you know how how the color is applied. For example, I'm talking about the toys, mm-hmm. or in case of the Kashmiri crafts, you know how the pulp is uh, the recycled paper. Uh, the, uh, sorry, the waste paper is, re- is recycled and created into a pulp and then created into shapes and then, um, you know, drawn upon and, you know, the the the, lo- the time it takes then and the effort it takes, it just connects you to the whole process. And it, it makes you understand that, you know, this, this, this thing that you, that you're getting, this, this piece of art that you're getting is actually invaluable. It, you know, it, it, it's, it's not easy to put a price on it, but, yeah. you know, it, I think, I think that that's the whole idea of it you, you can talk so passionately passionately about those things because you know you've seen the whole thing being brought to life from 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 the raw material stage back you know right right to the end product and i think that that's really important for me mm. and i think i think it's the people as well isn't it so you know you you have met the people who are doing it there's a, mm. there's, a there's a connection there's an emotional connection but it's actually a connection because you're yes you know who made these things yes people you know how it's impacting their lives yeah yeah. every time you sell one and that will come across to your customers as well because you're talking to them and you can say oh that when i was visiting these people these toy makers um in south india and i met with these people and they showed me how they did it that translation goes across and that that means that the the end customer can also feel a little bit of that journey yeah yeah Definitely, yeah, exactly, and because you know them by name, you know, you know, you know the, all of these people. Like, you know, I, I, I still remember, yeah, I've spoken to Saroj and Durga and Salima and you know Shahida and you know Fayaz and you know all of these people. They're 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 real people. They're not they're not nameless, faceless, you know, working in a factory artisans. They're yeah. they're not factory workers. They're actually people who are creating things, and they have their stories behind them. Um, for example, you know, when I was talking to some of the people, uh, some of the women. I, I, it, it was, some of the stories were really, um, heartrending, uh, mm. and some of them were, 
really encouraging. Well, all all stories were encouraging, but you know the the background. I mean, you know, the, some of the backgrounds were really heartrending. But um, but it was good to see where they have come from and where they're actually going and where they are right now. Um, so it was it was really really nice because I mean, yeah, you know, as you say, people are there. Yeah. And impact and impact. impact yeah. Seeing the impact. So I think we've already started to, but I was going to, I've been holding off on this one because I can sit back and get comfortable now. So you've just come back from a long trip traveling throughout India, meeting up with quite a few of your Indian supply partners there. So mm. do you want to tell us some of the stories from that trip? Oh, yes. Where did you go? <laughs> Who did you connect with? I'll get comfortable. And what were your key takeaways, your key experiences at that time? Yeah, sure. Um, that was, I mean, as I said initially, you know, this was one of the best times I, I had. Um, and I got to travel right from the north in Kashmir, uh, north of India, um, to Jaipur in the west, and then down to Bangalore or uh, Chandapatna in the south. So I, I kind of covered the whole country <laughs> in a way. I just, I, I had to, I had to do northeast at one point, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, um, it was for me for the first time to be in in Kashmir and and to see and I and I have actually grown up um, with Kashmiri handicrafts as well because my my auntie used to be a used to go to the Kashmir University quite a lot and she used to bring back um, these uh, these um, beautiful things and I I was I was just trying to find somebody whom I can whom I can trust and who I can work with in in that region. And as I said, it's, it's a very, uh, it's a conflict region. So, um, it was, a, I, I was very, um, lucky to have found somebody whom I could trust and, and, and I decided to go and meet them. And I, that's the, that's the way I work. You know, I, I, I try to, um, meet them myself before I start working with them or I have somebody who, who trusts them implicitly, uh, like a friend or a family member. Um, that's when I'll start working with them. So that's, that's why, um, I decided to go and visit and I, made sure that I would actually not just meet the person whom I'm dealing with, but also the people behind these, these, these beautiful things. And to learn the story behind all of these things, behind these, uh, papier mache things and the, you know, the, the embroidery things and how it is made and, and the employment it's, it's generating. And well, it will generate employment, hopefully, but, um, you know, the, the traditional work, it's been going on for years and years and years. I mean, hundreds of years. It was also um, good to see, and then I went down to to this um, beautiful organization in in Jaipur. Uh, well, it's a, little, it's a little bit out of Jaipur, but it's a compound and it's it's a refuge for women. It actually started with, as an orphanage back in two thousand, and um, and this lovely woman Jaymala, she runs it. She has been running the the orphanage, but then in twenty seventeen things changed. There was a there's a there was a law change a change of law in. In India, which said every child more than six years old has to be put up for adoption. Yeah. Um, so it, it kind of put her out of business, so to speak. But, um, but then it also gave her an opportunity to, to train the mothers and, and the, and the women, uh, you know, in those situations. So give them, uh, and, and give them economic independence. And that's when it, it kind of, Snowball. So, the, so they still run a school, and they still have um, some people who grew up in the uh, in that orphanage, and who are still who are who have now started working in the organization. And I was lucky 
to meet uh, a lovely young girl and she has she she has done her schooling she's looking to um, now enroll in, in the university she's done her she's a black belt and um she is so full of life and energy and currently she is while she's waiting for university she's learning block printing uh, in the organization and she is helping other women because she's she's obviously quite uh, educated and some other women are not so she's helping them with the with all of these things um but her aim is to become a policewoman a police officer um which was uh, really good to hear that you know she she really wants to do something bigger uh, in life Amazing. yeah and um yeah so that was um, one of the highlights of the of that visit and then i went down to chandapatna and uh, and i i there was a woman i met in my last time when i was there 3 years ago in 2020 and um this time so at that time she was still learning she'd had a baby and you know and, and she was being she was still able to work because you know there was a kind of a uh, what do you call it um a day nursery at work so she could she could bring her child and and she could still work but now she had she has become a trainer Three years on, she's now become a trainer. So she's training other people, uh, other women, in fact, in her village. Um, and these women, I, I I got to speak to these women as well, and um, they like doing what they're doing. They it gives them it gives them economic independence. They, they don't have to rely on their husbands and their fathers or their brothers to 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 spend money. And I also got to know the story of uh, the CEO of this organization um because what they've done is all of these artisans whom, who who are working um, for this organization they hold a stake in the organization so it's kind of a partnership rather than rather than uh, rather, they're not employees they're all partners and the this woman is the one who's who's driven this change um shahida um so she started god knows how many number of years ago she started as a volunteer uh, in in this organization then she became an artisan and then she rose through the ranks and now she's a ceo and again she fought against all the, all of these uh, norms of society so called norms of society that, you know women can't work and she has to do she has to do a hijab and all of that um but now she you know she she is running the company and she's doing really well and she has brought in other innovations like you know creating um, spoke centers so that women don't have to travel mm-hmm. to one place of work they can they can work in uh, near their villages near their homes and and you know then they finish everything um in the in the hub that they have created and you know the outlying centers outlying um workshops where people get trained women get trained they can they get to earn a decent li- decent livelihood it's amazing isn't it these change makers and they're all over the world mm. to do these amazing things and it's just connecting with them and and connecting everything together yeah, so yeah. it's it amazing but that that was a fantastic experience that then that your three well three centers basically three different yes. places that you went to three different places yes yeah, yeah amazing and, and, and Kashmir really, for the first time in my life ever you know because I've never been there <laughs> so it's oh, a beautiful it place so it's a enormous. lovely place even though it was it wasn't as green because it was still winter there um but it was still still beautiful mm and and did you did you find things like i mean the food was different the languages are different how did you cope with all of that 
the weather. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, food was different. Obviously, you know, different regions, yeah. completely different food. Um, uh, Kashmir has a very meat-rich diet, um, which although I'm I'm more of a vegetarian, but um, I still, you know, I'm I'm not a, I'm not a complete vegetarian. Um, so, but yeah, I enjoyed it. The hospitality is, you know, unrivaled. Um, they they. <laughs> <laughs> they like to feed you a lot and i love i love their tea which is the traditional kashmiri tea called kahwa and uh, which actually is the root term for coffee oh, okay uh, yeah coffee comes from kahwa and well kahwa is tea but coffee is coffee and yeah so that that is lovely it is light and refreshing and you can have cup you know you can have endless amounts of uh, endless endless cups of kahwa and then in jaipur um it was because they're in that in that big campus and they have their own cows and they they have their own you know fresh milk and they have the fresh everything you know it was just an amazing experience again over there and then go down to the south the cuisine changes completely um you know and it's canada cuisine and you know it's um it's different to anything that you've ever had um before so yeah amazing sounds absolutely amazing so you've come back inspire with new ideas you've got new products on the way yes yes relationship so so what's next for ethicana then so um kashmiri stuff definitely is is definitely on the cards i have started working with them uh creating um, i'm working on some ideas with them how we can uh create something new and and also use some things, the traditional ones, if we can, uh, if we can uh, create some traditional stuff, traditional goodies, Kashmir, with um, Jaipuri, with the Jaipur um, organization, I'm working with some, uh, again, some new ideas about, about for pets, pet accessories, um, which will be interesting. And in the uh, in Chandapatna again, lots of things, lots of things in the in, in the works, like you know, home decor stuff, and and of course, toys are there. Um, but yeah, it'll be um, lots of other things going on. And again, as I mentioned, you know, I I met this organization, great organization in Egypt, in Cairo. So yeah, I'm also working with them to to um, bring in some of these ups, um, upcycled, recycled um, things. Uh, so that you know we can help them as well and uh and it it's uh it's good for the environment good for them it helps them deliver for the community that they're living in so what would you say are the barriers i mean you've got obviously got these fantastic partners and friends you've got a brilliant business you've got all this enthusiasm so what what are your barriers at the moment um to not having loads more partners and having loads more products on your website. What could be better? Um, well, you know, if somebody could give me a few hundred <laughs> thousand pounds, <laughs> <laughs> that always helps. <laughs> as, a, as a small, in fact, a micro social enterprise, you know, it, it, it's, um, as you very well know, it's it's so difficult to invest um, a, a big amount. So um, it has to start. Um, it has to um, start very small and then and then scale up depending on, on how we go. Um, but what I would hate is to lose any of these partnerships along the way because you know um, uh, because of lack of investment. Um, so um, the biggest barrier is obviously investment um, and and the money. But also if I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have that barrier if you know um, the sales. If people bought more. Oh, good. Yes. 
So one of the barriers, I think that that probably every business or pretty much every business, big, small, anyone at the moment is facing is the cost of living crisis. Yes. It's a real challenge. I mean, I think also um, coming on the back of COVID, I don't know about you. I mean, it's it's completely understandable that people don't Mm. feel able to buy. So it, it is it is a challenge. But anyone out there, if you if you have a gift to buy, a toy to buy, um, you know, then doing this is not only getting you something beautiful, but it's also having a wonderful impact on some of these other people that you're hearing about today. So it's uh, are you going to be out and about doing your markets all year or are you having some time off? No, no, no. I have started doing the markets. Um, I had my first market yesterday. So, yeah, <laughs> I was in Richmond. In Richmond. Uh, I'll be again be in Richmond this Sunday. So if mm-hmm. anybody is listening in Richmond, yeah, come on, come on down to Heron Square and I'll be there. Yeah, um, yeah and then uh, going up until June, uh, yeah, I've got all the markets uh, almost every weekend. You're you're a busy a busy man. I don't think I would fancy doing markets every single weekend, but I know that you're really driven by your cause. I think for things like toys um, in particular, I, I think toys are a really good one because they are so strong and long lasting. Mm-hmm. So it's not like um you know the toys that end up in the bin because they get broken this doesn't happen with these kind of strong wooden traditional toys there's no electric motor in there to go wrong or anything like that you know so they're a brilliant investment for several generations of children or to be passed on so fantastic presents if you've got birthday parties and things to go to um and you know some of the other beautiful items as well for your home it's just lovely to have some of these things and for it not to be plastic tat Yes, exactly. Um, people always ask me, especially in, um, well, in the markets, when they see these toys and they say, oh, but, you know, um, my kid will smash them. And I say, and I always give this example. My friend um, uh, bought um, a few toys for her, for her son when he was two and a half and he liked to bash things. And um, and now he's, I think, uh, six or seven. Um, and that toy still is there. <laughs> So, you know, it's still in good condition. So they are they're really durable, really. They are. Well, my, we had, I always tried to encourage people to buy my kids um, wooden toys, uh, you know, traditional toys and not toys with loads of electronics. I mean, of course, there's going to be the odd remote control yeah, car yeah, and all of that. But I've been clearing out because the boys are older now. They don't want them. I've been clearing them out. And really, as well as the fact that they're, the wood parts are fine, they're quite mendable. So it might be something like a car wheel fell off yeah. or something like that, but you you just stick it back on again, don't you? Stick it? it back on again. Yeah, yeah exactly. nothing has to go in yeah. the bin. So they're sustainable from that point of view. And we've been basically um, selling them on our local sort of little selling market group and people are yeah. coming and buying them. So it's yeah. great. I, it makes me happy. I can send them off with a wave. They've gone to a new life. New yeah, exactly. Circular there. economy. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Not the bin, but this is where yeah. the um, remote control cars have ended up. Unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. Okay. There, there's, there's this really um, intriguing um, uh, stat that, that I came across a, a while ago that um, nearly 80% of the toys are thrown after the after first two weeks of being mm-hmm. bought. Um, which is staggering, and the, and most of these toys are plastic, and they've got chemicals in them, they've got electronics in them, they've got you know they yeah, so it, it all goes into a, a landfill somewhere, and it's polluting the environment and and our future generations. So yeah, it's um it's a sobering thought. It is. Well, it's, it's something uh, I've kind of 
banged on about this before to people so I'm really sorry if I'm repeating myself but it's the same with clothing it's Mm. always easy and people tend to do it the child says I want an Elsa dress I want a top with this latest person on you know that's beautiful polyester and sticky and disgusting and it's Mm. going to last two weeks and because the kids saying they want that or the mum's dad's friends have got that or or something like that it's just it's the trend it's the latest Mm. thing kind of thing but is that have a think about what is actually going to be the long lasting favorite you know is it going to be the the dress that she went to a party in that she absolutely loves is it going to be the toy that they've played with for the last four years you know Mm. it doesn't always have to be instant gratification it can be something that's beautiful um and they're going to treasure forever rather than something that is going to be like you say a two-week wonder or a a fad that they will no longer exactly exactly yeah it was very interesting this time when i when i went there and some, some people said to me you're still wearing the same clothes as you were wearing three years ago. <laughs> yeah, because they're mine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You just reminded me, funnily enough, of the BAFTAs. No, the Oscars that happened recently, oh, yeah. didn't they? And uh, um, Hugh Grant was um, being interviewed by someone, and he got a lot of criticism for this, but someone said to him, whose suit are you wearing? <laughs> My tailor. <laughs> <laughs> so that was quite funny. Well, who, who, who else suit would I be wearing apart from my own? And I think it is that it is that kind of you know you've got a black DJ. Why would you not wear the same one again? Exactly. Yeah. Go out and buy a new one for the for the Oscars. But yeah, so I think there is that we it is that there is a need to move society away from this. I need to have the latest thing. I need mm. to have something. You know, and because anything that. You know, in general, if something is a fad, it tends to be quite shoddily made. You That's know. the whole point of a fad. It's it's a fad. It's exactly. a sh- it's a short lived thing. Exactly. So it's going to be plastic. It's going to be, you know, if it's electronics, they're not going to be particularly well put together because no one's expecting it to last for very long. You know, so so I would urge you, you know, please, please, people listening, <laughs> buy the quality, buy the quality, and buy the natural products. Anyway, so to that note, if you've decided you're going to take me up on it and go and buy something, um, where can everybody find you, Arshad? Um, so ethicana.com, um, we are there. Uh, online shop is open 24-7, so you're most welcome to come and um, have a look and and see t- what takes your fancy. Um, we're also on Instagram, Facebook, yes, because I have to, uh, <laughs> and Twitter, uh, of course, um, but yeah, it, we can find us on all social channels as well, Pinterest as well. Don't think I'm that active on Pinterest yet, but yeah, I I do intend to be more active on Pinterest. But uh, yeah, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Facebook, and LinkedIn, and eBay for change. If people eBay for change, of course, yes, I keep forgetting. Well, that means you can buy me. globally. That's the beauty. The beauty of eBay for change is that if you can buy anywhere in the world, yes, then, correct, um, it will yes. be sent through to you. So that's always a good one. Hmm. Right. Yeah. So eBay for change, or if you just search Ethicana on eBay, um, just just go to eBay.co.uk and you'll find us there. Mm-hmm. And the markets. Or and the markets, of course, yeah, the physical markets. Yes. If you want to um, have a chat with me and uh, want to know more about things, yeah, come and have a come and come to one of my markets, and uh, you'll have a nice natter. 
Brilliant. And there's going to be, um, for anybody listening to this um, online, you can obviously um, read the blurb that comes with it. And I'll have all the links on there to Ethicana and the social media and some of the other things we've spoken about. And if you're listening on YouTube or watching on YouTube, hello. And we can um, put the links on there as well. So there's no way that you can't find our shared. That's my my thinking. You'll definitely be found. So um, is there anything else you'd like to add, Asha, that you don't think you've managed to tell everybody? No, I think I think we've covered everything. Good, <laughs> Good conversation, yeah. But Good. yeah, except for that, you know, please, uh, when, you, when you buy next time, please buy, please think of an ethical business, of a fair trade business, and if it's a social enterprise, even better. Yes, definitely. I echo that one completely. So thank you very much, Arshad, for joining us on the Where Does It Come From podcast. It's been a pleasure to chat to you today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Where Does It Come From podcast. Please rate us on your platform and follow us so that we can share this podcast with more people. And if you'd like to find out more about the work of Where Does It Come From, please visit our website on wheredoesitcomefrom.co.uk for kind clothes that tell tales.